just to re- since we're kind of catching this midstream, I want to I want to kind of remind you where we've been, uh, where we were last week. Paul is now preaching to to both Jews and Gentiles in Antioch, and he's preaching about he, he he's he's led them through history. He's led them from the Exodus event all the way through the kings and the or the judges and the kings and. He's led them to this point to show them that history is his story, that he has literally brought us to this plan of redemption through history. And so that's kind of where we're picking up today. Where we left off, he had just uh, said that uh, Paul had just, just announced that, the, that Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of the promise to David that David would have a descendant on the throne forever. And Jesus is that descendant of David that is on the throne forever. And so let's pick up in verse 26 of Acts chapter 13. We're just going to read through verse 33. Brothers and sisters, children of Abraham's race, and those among you who fear God, it is to us that that the word of this salvation has been sent. Since the residents of Jerusalem and their rulers did not recognize him or the sayings of the prophets that they read every Sabbath, they have fulfilled their words by condemning him. Though they found no grounds for the death sentence, they asked Pilate to have him killed. When they had carried out all that had been written about him, they took him down from the tree and put him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And he appeared for many days to those who came with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are now witnesses to the the people. And we ourselves proclaim to you the good news of the promise that was made to our ancestors. God has fulfilled this for us, their children, by raising up Jesus, as it is written in the second psalm, you are my son, today I've become your father. So let's look at the context first. Again, we're midway through, we're midstream in Paul's discussion or or preaching of history and how history is his story, how it's the plan of redemption through history. And he's preaching, notice that he's preaching to both Jews and Gentiles. He says, children of Abraham's race and those among you who fear God. So we have there gathered some of the some Gentiles who are probably becoming Jewish. They're probably converts to Judaism. And that's, that's why, so they would have even known this history that, that Paul's gone through. He's gone through this, this great history of, of the Jewish people and how it's the plan of redemption for God's people. And, he's, and so he's tying in both Jews and Gentiles. And, and again, these Gentiles are probably... Uh, Judaist, uh, Jude, uh, Jewish converts converting to Judaism. And so he leads them all the way to the crucifixion of Jesus. He leads them to understand that it's the, this is the, 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 the turning point in history. The crucifixion of Jesus is the turning point in history. And he ties in both Jewish and Gentile rulers now, Paul has, like in, in, in this sermon, like Peter has done many times, we've talked about it when Peter does it, he absolutely confronts them with the sin of killing Jesus. 
Now, why do, why do we keep hearing this? Why, why does Peter and now Paul keep bringing this up? And I said before, and I'll say it again, I think it's because we need to grieve our sin. We need to understand what our sin did. You know, Jesus died for sin, and so he died for your sin and for my sin. We caused that death. And, and that's what he's, he's pointing, pointing us right to it. We can't, we, can't, uh, we can't decide we want a Savior without knowing we need one. We have to get to the point where we understand what our sin has done. And we have to confess it. Now, to confess means to speak the same as. So we're, we're simply agreeing with God that it's sin. That's all we're doing. So we can't, uh, we can't go, go about this by, by saying, well, yeah, I, I did this, but, you know, it was this situation. I can't, we can't justify it. We can't, we must just come to an, the idea that what God says is what God says, and we agree with him that it's sin. And we must come to that point, and I think that's why Peter and now Paul keep pointing this out, because our first step in salvation is understanding that we need a Savior, that apart from a Savior, we have no hope. That is what we must get to. And, and, and so Peter and Paul both lead the people to this conclusion that Jesus is not only the Messiah, not only the Savior that the world has been waiting for, but he's the Savior that we need because we have sin. We have a sin problem. Jesus has solved it. Now, take a look at, at verse 27. Paul confronts them by saying that they didn't understand Jesus is the Messiah because they didn't understand the scripture. So he's not letting the Jewish people off the hook here. He's saying they, they read what the prophecy said, but they didn't understand it. They killed Jesus anyway. Now, it's, it's amazing to think that, that our religion can keep us from Christ. But that's exactly what he's saying. They were so religious that they missed Jesus as the Messiah. They missed it because they were so religious. Think about when Jesus was walking on earth, who did he have the most confrontation with? The religious. It wasn't the sinners. It was the religious. It was the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And the, he had the most confrontation with the religious Paul knew this. Think about, think about who's saying this. Paul knew scripture. He was a trained Pharisee, and yet he was persecuting the church because he, all of the scripture he knew, he didn't see Jesus in it. And so he was persecuting the church until he had a personal encounter with Christ. He had a personal encounter with Jesus, and it changed everything for him. Now he understood history as his story. Now he understood that Jesus was coming and that when Jesus came, it was a turning point in human history. And he, and he ties in, notice that he ties in both Jews and Gentiles here. Because consider the, 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 what happened here. The, the Jewish council wanted Jesus dead. They had a sham trial and paid liars that, as witnesses and, and, and they wanted him dead, but they couldn't. 
So they had to involve the Roman government. They had to involve the Gentile Roman government to get this death sentence carried out. So none of us are, are separate from this. None of us, all of us are culpable. We're culpable because both Jew and Gentile killed Jesus. The Jewish people, the, the, the Jewish uh, council brought them before the Gentile Roman government. And, and the Gentile Roman government, you remember Pilate in Luke chapter 23, Pilate says three times, I find no fault in this guy. Three times. And yet, they killed Jesus anyway. That's, that's the whole hand-washing thing that Pilate does, washing his hands of the whole thing. Because he found nothing wrong with Jesus. Jesus was sinless. And, and, and even Pilate could see it. Even the Roman government could see it. He committed nothing to deserve the death penalty, but he got it anyway. Because the Jewish council and the Gentile Roman government pushed it. So all of us are culpable. Doesn't, we can't blame Jewish people. We can't blame Gentile people. We are all culpable for the death of the Messiah. And, and Jesus being sinless, him not deserving the death penalty, it's critical to our, our theology. It's critical to our salvation because Paul says in Romans that, that the wages of sin is death. So if Jesus had any sin of any kind, he could only die for his own sin. He couldn't die for your sin. He couldn't die for my sin. So he had to be sinless. He had to be perfect. He had to be the Holy One, the Messiah, from the womb to the tomb and beyond. And he was. He is. And so the, the, the idea that, that Jesus is sinless is important. And the idea that the Jewish council brought, brought Jesus before the, the Roman government, the Gentile Roman government, is also important. It's important because none of us can say, well, it wasn't me. None of us can say, well, I don't have sin that nailed Jesus to the cross. Every single one of us do. Every single one of us have a part in the death of Jesus. Every one of us. But then Paul tells them it's part of the plan. It's all part of the plan. It was actually the part of, of, of the redemption plan of God. He took them all the way from the Exodus event, all the way through to the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus, and showed them this was God's plan. God will not be thwarted in what he intends to do. The prophets said it would be this way. David said it would be this way. Isaiah said it. Jeremiah said it. Malachi said it. All of the, they all pointed us to what must happen. And it happened. It happened for us. It happened for them. So Paul takes him all the way through this history to say, this Jesus, he's the guy. This is the guy. The one that we have been waiting for since the Exodus. The one that we have been, been waiting for since Genesis 3. Jesus is the guy. He's the Messiah. He's the Savior. He's the one we've been waiting for. He wasn't just another of thousands that were crucified on a Roman cross. Thousands were crucified on Roman crosses, but Jesus' crucifixion was different. 
It was different because he didn't die for himself. He didn't die for any crime. He didn't die because he earned the death penalty. He died because we did. Because you and I needed him to. So his death is different. His death is completely separate. And, and Paul even makes a, a notice or, or, or makes a reference here. He says uh, a reference about being, Jesus being taken down from a tree. Now, it seems like we skip over it. We seem like, uh, well, okay, it's just... It, but Jesus was crucified on a cross, not a tree. What he's doing is, is tying in Deuteronomy 21. Because in Deuteronomy 21, God said that the one who was hung on a tree is cursed. Cursed. So what Paul is telling us is that Jesus didn't, didn't just take our sin. He didn't just take our guilt from our sin. He took the curse from our sin to the cross. And, and you, want, you want to talk about grace? You know, we talk about grace as, as uh, like it's uh, undeserved favor. The way Paul lays it out here, Jesus took our, the curse of our sin to the cross so that we could, so it could be replaced with blessing. We have been given life by that death. We, we have been blessed by him taking our curse. That's a, what a great concept of grace. It's not just undeserved favor. It is a curse being replaced with a blessing. That's what, what, what Paul leads us to here with Jesus. And I want you to also notice that 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 this is a fact of reality. Paul does not preach in psychology. He doesn't preach in philosophy. He doesn't actually even preach theology. What he does is talk about historical facts. The Exodus, it happened. We know it did. The, the, the kings, we know they had kings. We know there was, there was Saul, there was David. We know that there were judges and Samuel. We know the death and resurrection of Jesus. Historical fact. Do you know how many, uh, how many different people have tried to disprove this? And so many of them, in their investigation of trying to disprove the death and resurrection of Jesus, become Christians. Because it can't be disproven. And these folks that, that Paul is talking to right here, some of them were witnesses to all of this. They saw it happen. So Paul speaks in, in, in reality here. Uh, there was a, a theologian, I have the quote up there, the theologian that said, Christianity is not just a philosophy or a set of ethics, though it involves these things. Essentially, Christianity is a proclamation of facts that concern what God has done. That's, Paul talks about this in fact. These are historical facts. The death and resurrection of Jesus are a historical fact, just like the Exodus is, and just like David is, and just like Samuel is, and just like the judges are. Historical fact. Now he does, Paul, Paul does lead us to look back at history, historical facts, through the eyes of Christ. Because again, think about what Paul had to do. He had to reorient his entire thinking as a Pharisee around Christ. He had to reorient his, all of his knowledge and all of his theology around Christ. 
So he is telling us to look back at our history and do the same thing. Look at our history in Christ. See his story in our history. And then two of my favorite words in the Bible, but God. Look at verse 30, but God. The the two incredibly powerful words, but God. Mankind did everything possible to thwart God's plan, but God got it done anyway. Mankind even killed the Messiah, the Son of God, the one that God sent to save us, but God used it to remove the curse and replace it with blessing. But God. What, 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 what two, two more powerful words. But God. They had a sham trial for Jesus. Paid witnesses, paid liars. But God used it for his plan of redemption. They murdered Jesus by hanging him on a cross, giving him the worst of the criminal's death, a cursed death, even by God's standard. But God used it as a sacrifice for our sin. Jesus was dead and buried in a tomb, but God raised him from the dead. And there were those who weren't going to believe that Jesus rose from the dead. So what did God do? But God had Jesus walking around here on earth for over 40 days, multiplying witnesses to the fact that he was risen. Powerful words, but God. And then he, then he talks about the good news, the gospel, the good news. God has kept every promise in Jesus Christ. His death for our sin, breaking the curse, breaking our guilt, our sin, and the curse, and his resurrection proving he was the Holy One all the way through, from womb to tomb and beyond. This is the good news for us. This is still good news for us because based in historical fact, Jesus died for our sin, your sin and my sin. He he rose again to give you life, to give me life. Historical fact. The curse is broken and blessing has, has replaced it. Historical fact. This is the good news for us. It's still the good news for us. It's still the good news for all who will believe. Can you see God's plan of redemption for you in your history? Can you see his story in your history? Can you see that, the, that, that your sin nailed Jesus to the cross and yet he removed your sin, he removed your guilt, he removed the curse and replaced it with blessing and life? Can you see it in your own life? I'm going to ask that you bow your heads. Have you come to a place where you recognize that your sin nailed Jesus to the cross? Do you you also recognize that your sin, your guilt, your curse 
was placed on Jesus and replaced with blessing at his resurrection. Do you need to take that step this morning? You can. It's a simple prayer. Simply say, God, I I now understand my sin. And I understand that my sin caused the death of Jesus. But I trust that he took my sin and my guilt and my curse to the cross. And that you have replaced all of that with life and blessing. Forgive me for my sin and come into my life. Give me the blessing and life that is promised in the resurrection. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, you need to let somebody know. Come and let me know. Elbow your neighbor, let them know. We're, we're, we're inching towards Resurrection Sunday the most important weekend on the Christian calendar. The difference between Christianity and everything else. As we inch towards Resurrection Sunday, will you focus on the death and resurrection of Jesus for your sin? To give you life in the resurrection. Father, we thank you for, the, for, for Paul's sermon here. We thank you, Father, that, that we can understand that it's our sin that nailed Jesus to the cross. And we can understand that, that Jew or Gentile, all, all of us, are culpable. But we also understand that, that our sin, our guilt, and our curse has been lifted because Jesus took it to the cross. Keep us mindful of this. In the name of Jesus. Amen.